to the Shark Bait Show. I am your host, Joshua Frogelin, and joining us on this cold and rainy and just all around depressing night is a 7-3 loss. So that was fun. Um, try not to talk about the game too much just because I don't want to depress you all too much. So uh, the game began and the Sharks were somewhat doing well. Uh, obviously, somewhat doing well is a is a way of saying that they weren't doing great the sharks began the game with uh, a goal from donato uh i believe lebank and maybe couture got the other assist uh yeah but even during that at least in my opinion i don't know if you guys agree the sharks still looked like the sharks playing the colorado avalanche who are you know stanley cup contenders it just was not good. The Sharks were just hunkered in their zone for so long, and the odd time they got a, a break, it was usually a quick rush, not too much possession. Uh, the first line did have some good chances, especially in the first period. Uh, the first line being the LeBanc, Donato, and, and Couture line. Uh, and yeah, so the game didn't go well after, you know, Ryan Donato scores a goal. Uh, there was like three goals within the last five minutes of the period, and I tweeted out, uh, it was kind of just the inevitable, and I really feel like it was. I still... The Sharks weren't in this. Uh, they just were never in it. The literally off the opening faceoff, there was a like thirty to forty-five second possession by the Avalanche just in the Sharks zone, and that was just the story of the entire game. The Sharks couldn't get much going. I mean, in the second and third period, when nobody was trying, and I don't even know what the ice time was for some of the Avalanche players, but they were just resting, guys. They had no reason to try. Um, yeah, so the game was just pathetic overall. So. This is not a good look for the Sharks. Obviously, this is only the seventh game of the season. And, I mean, who knows what happens. Uh, the Sharks could come back and win next game. Uh, by win next game, I mean Devin Dubin needs to get his first win as a Shark because it hasn't happened yet. Uh, with good reason. Anyway, so it's I think the first thing I want to talk about, so that's the game. I mean, uh, in terms of play Sharks players that had a good game, uh, the first line. LeBanc, Donato, and Couture uh, had good games. Um, didn't they each get a goal? Who got the... I can't remember who got goals for the Sharks. Uh, it was Donato. And... Uh, oh, yeah, Gregor. Gregor, that third line is fun to watch, but they need to break it up. Uh, and I think we'll notice that they're going to, the way that they were structuring some of the lines by the end of the game. Uh, they're going to break up that line. It, it can be so good, but just the rest of the the team needs help <clears throat> the second line. Uh, yeah. Um, I think what we're going to talk about is who played well. Donato uh, and LeBanc led the team with uh, over half a goal expected. They deserved it. This is all five on five. Um, and they deserved it. They looked uh, just absolutely just dangerous pretty much at all times. They looked so good. The, the first line really complements itself well, and that's what you want from a first line. The Sharks don't have a Nathan McKinnon or a Sidney Crosby or a Connor McDavid on their team, and they need these players that are worthy of playing in those spots to complement themselves well uh, to make up for the lack of just absolute star talent. So that's what has to happen, and thankfully for the first line, that's what's been happening. The second line, what the hell? Honestly, Hurdle just hasn't... Or a lot of bad game. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Especially on one of the power plays. He just couldn't handle the puck. Uh, and he couldn't really do much 
in general, unfortunately. And it's uh, just the games haven't been when the, he he thrives on possession. That's what I admire admire the most about Hurdle as a player is on the boards and even wherever he has the puck is he is so just sturdy and so able to keep possession of the puck at all times. Uh, and then that's how he creates offense is through driving off of that or shielding it to be able to set up somebody or shielding it such that he can shoot. That's where he succeeds. Um, and unfortunately, that doesn't complement the speedy Kane uh, who just drives and shoots. And I mean, sometimes he cycles, but the team doesn't work on the cycle whatsoever. Um, so he kind of gets wasted in that regard. And then Leonard... What the hell? Oh my god, he played so poorly, and I am the largest John Leonard fan of all time. It's just not good. And he hasn't played that bad before this, but this was just pathetic. And if you watch the Sharks broadcast, uh, you would see, you would hear, um, what's his name, uh, just calling him out constantly, being like, hey, you'll learn not to do that. Hey, when you get, you'll learn not to do that. And yeah, who knows where this is going to lead. So... That was the game. I don't really want to talk about it too much just because I don't want to bore you all with how depressing that game was. So um, just looking at next game versus the Avalanche, which I'm sure is going to go so great, uh, we're going to look at what they're going to do. So defensive pairings, I'm sure something's going to happen. I don't know what it is, but it's going to be something. And I, cause I just don't know. It's, I mean, the second goal was Vlasic's fault. And there's kind of no other way around it. But other than that, it's just the guys as a whole being so bad. Uh, so I don't know what they're going to do with the defensive pairings, but something is going to change. Uh, you don't give up seven goals, and the defense was good because that just wasn't. Uh, I mean, goaltending was questionable, but, I mean, it wasn't that bad. Uh, there was just... Uh, that game was a game. We live in a society... Uh, so yeah, going into next game, the defensive pairings, I'm not sure what they're going to do. I doubt they're going to bring Maloche or uh, Middleton back into the mix because we already saw how that went. So maybe this could be Brinson Pashnuk season, uh, or Pashnuk. Uh, I, I like the idea of going with him just because why not? I'm just not sure who you remove out of the starting like six defensemen right now. Uh, Knaizov and Schmick, when they play together, are actually not that bad. I'd actually say they're good. Uh, so I don't think you want to move that. I mean, you could scratch Vlasic at this point. I don't really care for him, so I wouldn't have a problem with it. It's just not a good look when a guy that you signed two years ago and pay $7 million uh, is scratched. So that's an issue. Uh, you're not going to get rid of Burns or Carlson. So, or Ferraro. So I don't know. There's going to be some kind of changes. Maybe they go back to Vlasic and Carlson and, and Ferraro and Burns. Uh, there's going to be some kind of change in the defense, apparently. I'm not certain what Bob Bugner, our favorite listener, uh, is going to do with that. Um, and then predicting the forward lines, uh, I mean, you're going to keep the first line the same of Donato, Couture, and LeBanc. Uh, and then I... So at the end of the game, if you watched it, which I don't know why you would. I don't have a life. That's why I was watching it. Um, they had Kane and Hurdle still together, and then they were putting Gregor up there. Uh... Oh, to clarify, there was some times where Gambrell was skating with them. That was solely for face-offs, and then he would just leave. Um, so just, he's going to stay as the 3C. That's why he maybe got a little more ice time or some shifts with those guys. Uh, it comes down to Leonard, Gregor, or Meyer. 
uh, let's see. Here's my wizardly wizard wizard predictions. They should go with Meyer. They're gonna go with Gregor. Um, who knows why? Uh, Bob Bugner never hesitates to piss off uh, players that he pays lots of money. Um, so, uh, or at least for forwards. So I wouldn't be shocked if they go to Gregor. That's who they were playing with them at the at the end of the game. They even had Nieto up there, but that's not gonna that's not gonna be a thing. Uh, I just don't think. You need to have Meyer up there because the style of play that you would create by having Kane and Gregor together is you're eliminating Hurdle completely. Hurdle is not a guy that I'm sure he has some speed, but he's not like fast to the point that it's really an asset. And he that's not his game. His game is puck possession. His game is board play. Uh, his game is having the puck and making great decisions with it. That's the kind of player that Hurdle is, and he's not going to thrive in that situation. So that's why you need to have Meyer. Because he can drive play and he can be in front of the net and and get into get some sloppy goals. That's not Gregor's game. Gregor is a shoot off the rush and cycle guy, but we don't cycle anymore because who knows why. Um, so I'm not thinking they're going to do that. So I guess they're going to go Gregor. I just think that screws over Hurdle, who's already kind of hit a slump. I mean, a slump of three or four games. Uh, so that's what I think they're going to do. Uh, so I think it's going to be uh, the second line of Kane, Hurdle, and Gregor. And then I'm not sure what's going to happen with Leonard. He got put on the fourth line. And even on the fourth line, he was making some poor plays. And I'm not going to justify what he was doing because he was playing poorly. Uh, I'm just going to justify that he's done so much previously that we need to continue giving him reps because he's looked so good, especially for a really young winger like that, the Sharks. That, him and Gregor are the future. Uh, and they need to be getting at least top nine minutes consistently, or he needs to be at the CUDA. And I just don't want them to play him on the fourth and waste him like they were doing at the end of the game, uh, or scratch him. So I think he should go on the third line. I don't think they're going to. I think he might get benched like Gregor did. Uh, so that's what I think is going to happen. So if I'm predicting the lines for next game, uh, I'm going to say Meyer, Gambrell, and Nieto. Uh, and then I guess we'll have Nason back, so we'll have Sorensen, Marlowe, Nason uh, on the bottom line. Uh, that's the lineup, and then uh, Dubnik and Net. Uh, that's the lineup that's going to play for the San Jose Sharks. Um, that's about all you can say about it because it doesn't have upside because you have uh, Marcus Sorensen, Matt Nieto, and Stefan Nason and Patrick Marlowe playing on it, so there isn't much upside. Uh, that's going to be it's going to be kind of a, a hunker down. Like to give you a visual, it would be like in boxing when some guy's getting just like peppered in the corner and you like put your like fists over your head and you're just like trying not to get hit in the head so you just take a bunch of body shots that's what's going to happen next game we're going to try to hunker down uh kind of how we did in the first period of this game and we're going to get absolutely destroyed because not only are they good in the rush they also have that much also have really skilled smart players that make good decisions and they're going to absolutely wipe us uh so we're going to lose next game uh is the prediction unfortunately uh which is not a good look going into vegas because Vegas could honestly have a more top-heavy blue line than the Avs do. I'd say the Avs are deeper, but the Vegas, I mean, Petrangelo and Theodore, Jesus, they're so good. That's honestly two top 10 defensemen right there. Uh, I, and I, that's not just a recency bias thing. That's something I've said since uh, last year. They Both those guys are so good. So um, that's the end of the game recap and the stuff. I kind of just want to talk about what this game means to the Sharks moving forward uh, because it's honestly not good. So if you look at last season, 
the Sharks' largest loss, don't quote me on that, but I believe the largest loss last year was against the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, and it was 7-1. to uh, And that was their third loss in a row on a six-game losing streak. So that kind of deflates what I'm about to say. But this could be the turning point of the season because the Sharks at the time of that loss were 15-14-2. Uh, they had a winning record at the time of that loss, and then they finished the season 29-36-5. and so what, what's that? 14 wins and math, 36, uh, and 23 losses uh, after that game uh, and three overtime losses. Uh, just, I'm worried that this could be a sign of things to come when the Sharks, this draft class isn't exactly the one to tank for. Uh, I mean, I say I, tweet, I tweeted on this thing about uh, Power and Clark being the the looking at this game being scared right now but uh, this isn't the game this isn't the one to tank for the sharks need to try to contend uh even if you're not gonna if you're if you're somewhat close to the playoffs just kind of looking at my preliminary like draft rankings there's four defensemen or i guess kind of five defensemen that the sharks would be happy tanking taking not tanking for uh but they'd be happy taking taking uh, and there isn't too much difference between an Owen Power and a Brent Clark and uh, an Evanson and a uh, Lambos. Uh, uh, Luke Hughes making up the other member of that kind of tier. Um, so if the Sharks can get one of those five, and Demon tend not to go early, so you'll still get like Bernier, uh, uh, Lysel, um, Ratu uh, taken in the top part of the draft, the Sharks are going to get a defenseman in the first round that they'll be content with, uh, even if they're somewhat middling uh just like narrowly missing the playoffs so there's no reason to tank there's absolutely no reason to tank this this draft uh if the i've seen the rumors about combining two draft classes and the kind of 04 guys some of the 04 boys coming into the uh into kind of a uh combined draft or a, something like that then by all means tank for for spencer right um yeah just do that uh, so that's kind of how I see it. Um, really have, let me think. So, tw- uh, the Twitter question, um, we got was, uh, who should the Sharks move at the deadline? This is assuming that this is kind of a sign of things to come, like the lightning game was last year. Uh, so this, I mean, if the Sharks are playing like this every game, which I don't think they will, uh, this is just, this is honestly just an example of the discrepancy between the top two teams, the Blues, and then everybody else. Um, that's that's how this division's kind of made. Uh, I guess the Wilds are probably the favorite to also make the playoffs among those three teams. Uh, there's just a huge discrepancy between the talent on those rosters and the Sharks. Uh, and that was just indicative tonight. Uh, and it's probably going to be indicative in two days. Um, but the Sharks probably aren't contending. And if you're not contending, you got to try to get as much value as you can. Uh, so in terms of guys that they're going to trade, uh, Nieto and Sorensen are the main ones. Uh, you can maybe get value out of Nason, but if even the Sharks aren't playing them, I don't see how he would get played on a contender. No offense to Stefan Nason. Uh, so I could see him getting moved. Um, the, and so between those two, you can probably get, I mean, it's so weird because just, you got to think about the Goodrow con thing. But the only issue with trying to compare a Nieto or Sorensen trade to a Goodrow trade was that Goodrow had the extra year on his contract, 
and as you can tell the lightning are so cap strapped so that one year extra year of him on a essentially rookie contract even though he's not a rookie uh but making less than a million uh for like a quality third line guy on their team that could play up um and kills penalties really well he was somewhat worth it and you could tell because they won the cup so it's hard to compare a Nieto trade to that. So I would say that the Sharks are probably going to aim for a third or fourth round pick um, at the deadline if they're going to start, if they're going to sell. Uh, other than that, I mean, you could trade Dubnik. His numbers aren't very good, uh, so you probably can't get anything out of him. Who needs a goalie? I mean, uh, who needs a goalie at the top part? I mean, uh, the way Carter Hart is playing, maybe to Philadelphia, send Dubnik. Uh, but other than that, not much. Not much uh, room for him, and then defenseman. There's not much going on. I could see, I could see them trying to trade Burns, but he has a limited no trade clause, uh, and it's super hard to move the one he has. He just has a, a three team list. He says three teams you can trade him to, and you have to trade him to those three teams. Uh, so that's unfortunate. Uh, so yeah, there's. I would like them to move a large contract if we're just looking to the future at this point. Uh, they're going to need to move a large contract in the next two years. Uh, and if you don't believe me, uh, look at the expiring contracts in the next few years. They need to move him. So if you're thinking about just the next two years, you're looking at... So this offseason, the main re-signing is going to be Donato. Um, the, the Sharks have some weird stuff going on where they're going to have to sign a few like veterans just to fulfill some of the requirements that are in the expansion draft that are just super weird. Um, so set, assign Nieto and Nason just for kicks, uh, just to have them eligible. But the Sharks need to move a large contract uh, because so you have Donato to resign this off season, and then after that, it's gonna be oh, uh, it's gonna be so ugly. Um, I cannot remember actually if Gregor expires this year. I believe it's this year. Um, so Gregor expires this year as well, and he's someone that needs to stay. He's uh, both of these guys are restricted, by the way. Uh, Gambrell, I believe, is unrestricted. Not certain. Uh, he also expires this year. Uh, Middleton, whatever, he expires. Uh, then the, the year after this is going to be absolute hell if the Sharks don't move a large contract. You have Hurdle to resign, who Hurdle at this point is a a low end one C, high to mid end two C. And that there that goes on the market for about uh, seven million, as the Sharks know, because they paid Couture. Uh, and Hurdle is better than Couture currently. I'm not sure that Hurdle is the kind of person to be like needing the most money. Uh, he lives in Santana Row, though. Fun fact. Uh, so uh, he needs to get resigned. And then you also have Leonard uh, and Ferraro, who are gonna have to get put on bridge deals uh, at that time as well. So that's another four million probably for for Mario. And then it's a little early to say on Leonard, but I would guess it's somewhere around three to four million for him as well at that point. Uh, so the Sharks need to move a large contract at some point. Uh, whether it's buyout, which it probably won't be because the buyout would absolutely kill them. Uh, there's going to have to be some kind of trade or, yeah. Uh, so that's the future of the Sharks. Um, uh, in terms of prospects, if we're just going to talk about kind of the future of the Sharks, uh, Chekovic is li lighting up the KHL right now. Not totally lighting up like he's freaking Kaprizov, but I saw a tweet the other day that uh, had um, players in their 21-slash-22-year-old season in the KHL. His numbers are very similar to um, Tarasenko's. Uh, not that Chekovich is ever going to become Tarasenko, but 
that's so great to see. Um, Blickfeld's going to be pushing for a spot soon. Merkley, especially, is going to be pushing for a spot soon. Uh, yeah, and so if you're trying to build the future of the Sharks, um, left-handed defenseman is kind of the main need. Uh, Knaizov, he's going to need a contract eventually, but he's restricted. Um, uh, Knaizov and uh, Hadika are the main lefty prospects that the Sharks have, but I don't think either of them is going to be a top-pairing guy. Uh, Ferraro is your top-pairing guy of the future, uh, which is so exciting, to be honest. Um, so the Sharks do have good prospects, especially from the last draft. I think I'm going to eventually make a, a, a podcast just talking about the Sharks' prospect pool at some point, so if you are interested in that, let me know. Maybe I'll include some kind of mailbag for that. Uh, yeah, so the Sharks aren't screwed for the future. Um I don't think anyone was really accusing them of. They don't have like an amazing prospect pool that has like high-end talent just because the Sharks haven't drafted that high in a while. So if they're going to this year, uh, I'm not sure who they're going to go, who they would go with if the Sharks had say first overall pick right now. Uh, you're going a defenseman. You drafted all forwards last year. You're going a defenseman this year. Um, I'm just not sure what they're going to do because it's kind of a weird trade-off. There's only one right-handed defenseman at the top of the draft, and it's Brant Clark, who is the offensive guru of the um, of the top guys. Maybe besides, I guess Luke Hughes would kind of be that as well. Uh, so mainly he, uh, if the Sharks are going to go for a more puck-moving guy, and then if you want a more defensive like player, uh, Lambos and especially Owen Power would be the moves. Um, this, the Sharks have left-handed defensemen in their pipeline. Because uh, you have, I mean, you have Ferraro for the future. He's only 22. Uh, you have Hadika, who's 19. You have Kanayazov. Or no, Kanayazov and Hadika are both 20 now. Um, you have Pashnuk. You have Kanayazov. Uh, so I would see the Sharks taking uh, Clark just because Merkley is the only right handed defenseman prospect they have. Uh, it's just annoying to have them both be the puck moving guys. Uh, kind of matches Carlson and Burns currently. Uh, yeah. So I think we're going to call it there. Uh, that's kind of just my thoughts, talking or thinking out how the Sharks are going to respond to this. I don't see them doing too well in the near future. The next three games are going to be brutal. So that's going to do it for that. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, I'm Josh Rogeland. You can find me on Twitter at Josh Rogeland. You can find the show's Twitter, uh, where I posted a funny post today because I'm absolutely hilarious, uh, at shark underscore bait underscore show. I hope you had a great day. I know I didn't, um, and I hope you enjoyed. Uh, check us out, and have a great day.